Hi everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. This is a really exciting episode because we are currently at the Move the Dial event in Toronto right now, and we'll be doing a series of really fun interviews while we're here. I'm Samantha Lloyd, your host, here with my co-host, Liza and Casey. Hello everyone. And today, starting us off early in the morning, thank you so much for being here, Sarah Saska, the co-founder and CEO of Feminuity. Hi, good morning. Yeah, excited to be here. Awesome. So tell us, what is Feminuity? Yeah, well, I mean, if we can break it down, the name itself uh, is a combination of the words feminism and ingenuity. Uh, So for us, feminism is an equity-based movement that, when done well, works to advance things for everybody. And ingenuity, you know, something new, novel, cool, creative. Uh, So we're a full-service diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy firm. Uh, We work with everyone from pre-revenue startups through to Fortune 500s to build diverse teams, to build design equitable processes, and to design uh, inclusive products and workplace cultures. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about how uh, you went out and like reached out and how the actual process of getting those uh, high high clients was like? Yeah, so this is not the answer you're probably going to expect. We launched just about six years ago in February. And we've never done traditional sort of BD or sales out- outreach the whole time we've been around. Um, in fact, when we first launched, we couldn't even, no one in the Canadian market was sort of interested in this work. So our first client uh, was in Vietnam, working on a lot of policy work. And then we sort of went to other countries, China, Sri Lanka, the US, and so forth. Um, organizations have always just come to us. Because uh, in this space, you know, you can't really sell people on wanting to do this work. They need to be ready enough, just a little bit curious, just a little bit open, uh, so they, they come to us. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And unfortunate, though, that Canada took so long. Why do you think that companies in Canada um, weren't as I'm even aware of why they should be part of it? Yeah, uh, I have a lot of opinions on this. Uh, I think the, the short of it is, you know, we often say that diversity is our strength, especially in the Canadian tech ecosystem, right? When we're trying to sort of talk about what Canadian tech is doing on the, the global scale. And I think that we need to remember that diversity can only be our strength if we design for it really deliberately and intentionally. And I think sometimes the idea of, you know, Canada being this sort of polite, diverse, multicultural, happy, lovely place gets in gets in our way of actually doing the work, right? We sort of have Sometimes we just we just assume we're doing better than we are, uh, but you know there's a lot of design work that's required to to make that so. Yeah. So I'd say the U.S. is very much ahead of us when it comes to conversations relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's right really now. interesting. Yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's like if you tell someone like that they're like that they're smart all the time, and then they're not going to maybe work as hard. So like Canada being told, well, you're nice all the time, or you're diverse all the time, then we don't think we have to work. But it's something we always have to keep in mind. That's yep. That's perfectly put. Can I can I take you with me when I have to explain that? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And when you why what was why did you first start this organization? What were the pain points that you were trying to solve? Yeah, so I, I mean, I've always been in sort of social justice-driven work. I was raised by feminist parents. So, you know, doing things that, you know, bring value, sort of help move the world along has always been in my wheelhouse. But uh, it was during my PhD a number of years ago. uh, So I learned that car accidents are the leading cause of death related to maternal trauma. Translation, when someone who is pregnant gets into a car crash, there's a really high likelihood that they'll lose their unborn fetus. Uh, So this is because in the automotive industry, car crash safety testing is done using male bodies as a default or the norm. 
Uh, and this comes at a wartime when men were the ones predominantly behind the wheel. So if you're a body, if you if your body deviates from sort of that 180 pound male body sort of aesthetic, uh, you're less safe in vehicles. And so when I learned that uh, many many moons ago. I, you know, I thought, hey, this must be happening in a lot of other sectors, a lot of industries, right? Because if it's happening in automotive and, you know, that's a long-standing industry, what about tech? What about innovation, right? And this is when these conversations were really starting to sort of heat up, uh, especially in the Canadian context. So for me, um, I'm really, you know, I'm really concerned about the things that we're building, designing, and bringing out into the world. And the only way to do those or have the best shot at doing that is to, to pay attention to the people, right? We need a diversity of people and perspectives and experiences, around any given table when we're shaping anything, right? From an algorithm to a cell phone and beyond. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And um, can you talk a little bit about the playbook that you just mentioned that you're doing with Move the Dial? Yeah, so like I said before, I think you know Canadian tech is very much in its infancy with a lot of these conversations. Um, but what we are seeing is a lot of thoughtful organizations have been very committed to their recruitment uh, you know, working to actually build those diverse teams to build sort of a more diverse organization overall. Uh, but what they're not spending nearly as much attention uh, to is relating to retention, right? What happens once people are actually in the door? What's that lived experience looking and feeling like for, for folks? Um, we know retention rates aren't, uh, aren't doing so well. Uh, people are leaving pretty quickly, right? And it creates, you know, it's expensive, it's time, money, it's energy. Uh, it also makes it more difficult for companies to recruit in the future, right? Because you leave, you have a bad experience, you tell your friends, right? The Whisper Network is quite powerful. <laughs> uh, for sure, right? Or any Slack channel, especially for women in tech, like there's there's a lot of other avenues for sure. Um, so this playbook is, we spoke with about 70 leaders in Canadian tech. It's about a year in the making and it's uh, designed for startups, scale-ups, and enterprise. Um, it's like the findings for each stage, but also really tactical, actionable things that they can do, no matter sort of where they are on their learning journey. And uh, whenever you're working with one of your companies, do you ever are there ever people that kind of try and resist the change? Yeah, of course there are. Like this is this is a tough business, right? This is this is social justice and equity-driven work that's now just in the corporate setting, right? If we want to name it for what it is. Uh, so we're changing hearts and minds. We're reallocating power. There's there's a lot going on. So lots of folks who are um, skeptical, who are active blockers, who are you know deeply confused and just not sure what to do. There's a whole range of things. We use a sort of a ma- matrix to sort of assess where where people are at. So you know if someone is an active sort of blocker to the work, we have an approach for, for that sort of you know type of person. Um, but I find most people, their hearts are really very much in the right place. It's more that we need to sort of show them the whys and help them understand how, you know, this can impact other people, even if it doesn't impact them so much. Um, to show them that if they're not that impacted by it, that's actually, that means they probably have some, some good privilege that they can leverage to support others. Uh, so we meet people where we are, where they are on their learning journey and just sort of work to kind of move them along according to, you know, whatever we think might sort of inspire them or, you know, get them to be a bit more open. Cool. And can you tell me um, like a, a case where you were working with a company and kind of the results like really made your day or really made you happy or were something that you're kind of really happy about? Yeah. Um, well, I was funny. I was just upstairs talking to the folks at FreshBooks. I'm really, really proud of where FreshBooks is at. Uh, we've been working with them for, for over two years now. And we're about to do their second survey and sort of benchmark, which will be one of the first in Canadian tech to actually sort of say, hey, this is where we came from and this is 
where we're at now that we've invested in, in some training and education and you know adapting policies and, and doing all sorts of things. Uh, so I think this is going to be a really cool moment once we finish this assessment with fresh books that we're going to start to have a bit of a proof of concept, like a case study for, for Canadian tech, you know, to oh, show, that's exciting. yeah, this is what it looks like when you actually invest and, and sort of step into this journey. Yeah. And what's kind of your like, like go-to tip for organizations to at least get started on this journey? Well, that's very much the inspiration for the playbook. We really wanted to give people like tactical things, right, that aren't just sort of, you know, complex, high theory or, you know, that sort of thing. Like we wanted to sort of debunk it and, and make it a bit more clear for folks. Um, so if it just depends on the, your growth stage and where you're at. Uh, so, you know, enterprise, hey, you have tons of resources, lots flowing in your direction. So I'd say, you know, you need to go full tilt. But if you're a startup and you're just trying to, you know, start a journey, get some folks together. If you can get some dollars, you know, start a, start a conversation, right? Host some sort of event, do something just to sort of get awareness kind of moving within your organization but there's lots of small things you can start with you can work to de-bias your resumes you can work to broaden your recruitment pipeline right by building meaningful community driven relationships there's lots of things that don't cost a ton of money and don't you know need a a lot of time Mm -hmm. cool and are there any books or resources that you recommend that people go out there and read and and see to kind of like help their own remove their own biases from like their life so many (laughs) yeah I'd say like this field is very much trying to figure itself out right now, right? Like you can, if you're a, an accountant, yeah, you know where to go to get sort of your, your qualifications. We don't have that in this space right now. And I feel like so much of the learning and growth material is very much open sourced. Uh, so like we have tons of resources on our website. Uh, I really love, there's so many thought leaders that I, you know, learn from every single day, like Michelle Kim with Awaken. Um, I learn from her, uh, you know, through her LinkedIn, through her Twitter. Um, we love the folks at Paradigm in San Francisco. They've had shared so much really awesome uh, research with the ecosystem. Oh, gosh, there's there's some really good thought leaders out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Awesome. Thank you. Um, and then the final question: um, Why is it important uh, for you and for your organization to be part of Move the Dial? Yeah, I think. At a really high level, the answer comes down to sort of my theory of change and sort of where I'm at and why I'm even, you know, doing the things I'm doing. Um, for me, I think we're at this really critical moment in the world uh, where we're seeing tech companies, well, valued at more than entire countries. Uh, they're outpacing governments and playing in these gray spaces that, you know, government policy, uh, the law, like, just can't keep up with. So for me, I think we're just we're at this moment where we can either actively sort of shape the growing field of tech and innovation in a really meaningful and intentional way um, to mitigate existing inequities, um, or you know we can this could really kind of go off the rails and it could deepen and like it could worsen a lot of inequities that we're seeing around the world in a really drastic way. Uh, so for me, I guess that at a really high level, like this is just what for what needs to be shaped right now in real time in the world because it's there's so much utility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for doing this mini episode uh, with us. We had a really great time talking to you. You had some really insightful uh, uh, facts and like actionable advice for people. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you to you both. We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder. And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until, Until next time. time.